the following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. It is Super Bowl week, so we're going to preview the Super Bowl. We'll talk about some NFL news and the Sports Stove Final Lap, our NASCAR segment at the end of the program. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast presented by Righteous Felon Jerky. Join the flavor revolution at RighteousFelon.com. Use promo code STOVE15 for 15% off your purchase. That's S-T-O-V-E-1-5. That'll get you 15% off your purchase. Welcome into another edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. I'm your host, Vince Stover, joined as I am almost every Wednesday by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Like I said, football <clears throat> kind of wrapping up, but we got the big game of the year coming up uh, there. And, of course, um, a lot of things, you know, we're coaching and uh, a lot of interesting things kind of with college football. Looks like they're trying to maybe make some – headway and getting things straightened out there. So um, we'll see. Of course, sign, national signing day today and um, a lot of things in football there. And, of course, you know, a, a lot of other sports going on right now, too. So, Yeah, uh, busy week in my house, too. We've got a basketball tournament this weekend. Uh, we're going to an EKU women's game tomorrow night and then uh, trying to get local sports stove listeners to come and, and join us for that. And then we've got uh, our own basketball tournament Thursday, our Friday and Saturday, and then Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, I don't know, you got uh, big plans for the uh, the food menu for Sunday? Oh, uh, yeah, we've talked about it. Going to do a few things there. Definitely have um, some nachos and rotel and and uh, a few things there while we watch the game. So, um, you know, looking forward to at least watching part of it. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm off on Monday, which is nice, um, and I took off on Monday so I can enjoy the game. We've got some buffalo wings, and uh, we're doing some buffalo chicken dip as well as some nachos and cheese as well. So uh, that's what that's what I'm looking forward to on Sunday at the very least um, there. And the NFL is uh, rolling towards the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, Dad. I don't feel like there's as much excitement about this game as I feel like there's been in the past. I don't know what it is um, about the 49ers and the Chiefs, but I, I, I don't know. Just to me, it doesn't feel like people are that excited about this matchup. Would there be a reason for that? No, I I, I don't know. You know, I, I think when you're fans of a team, as the playoffs go on and teams get eliminated, um, you know, in some ways people lose maybe a, a – it takes a little more, I guess, to be interested in it. On the other hand, the Super Bowl, they, the NFL and TV has created such a buzz. You know, there are so many hundreds of thousands of people that may not even watch a football game during the year or definitely not watch very many of them that are, you know, the Super Bowl is just something you do. You watch the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I'm not, of course, ever excited about the halftime show, but a lot of people are there. And, um, you know, a lot of money involved in it with advertisers and everything. And now with, um, 
you know, the legalized betting, um, I can only imagine, you know, the amount of, so really this game draws more interest, obviously, than probably any other sporting event in the year. But when you follow a certain team and your team's not in it, um, then, you know, it, it's a little different. It depends on the matchups and everything here. Um, here you've got one high-profile quarterback, another one that's not as high-profile. So that's a little bit different. You know, sometimes you have, boy, a big quarterback battle and you're looking to see, you know, how things are going to go there. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm again, I think hopefully it'll be a, a, a good game. Um, but again, you know, just a lot of attention, you know, Super Bowl, um, you know, I, I was around when the first one was played and barely knew it was going on. And um, now it's just, you know, it, 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 it's one of the bigger holidays almost of the year in a lot of ways. So um, no doubt about that. And the NFL just keeps growing. You know, they announced this week and I have a game in Brazil week one. That's kind of interesting. And, you know, a lot of things going on there. So. Yeah, let's focus in on this Chiefs 49ers matchup uh, coming up Sunday. Um, tickets as low as $5,782 right now, Dad, if you still want to go. Um, <laughs> uh, but you got the 49ers and the Chiefs. Um, you know, the 49ers were one of the better teams all season. They were one that a lot of people predicted would go to the Super Bowl before the season started. Them and the Eagles were kind of the two leading bets um, there. And uh, they had a moment where they kind of slid, but they came back and, and, but the playoffs have not been um, confidence building necessarily for 49ers fans. Uh, 49ers almost lost to the Packers and probably should have lost to the Packers. They almost lost again uh, um, in, in the second matchup. Uh, let's hear it to the Lions, right? Um, yep. And I mean, probably could have lost that game too. So, there's not a whole lot that you look at San Francisco and go, man, um, they're just dominant. But at the same time, um, you've got to respect what the 49ers have. I mean, they have a very solid defense, and they've got playmakers that at any moment can erupt. Brandon Ayuk, who a lot of people got burned on two years ago, um, showed up last year and has been there again this year consistently. Debo Samuels is great. Christian McCaffrey's phenomenal. The O-line's good for San Francisco. Brock Purdy's a question mark. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but at the same time, Brock Purdy has played good enough and uh, got him to this point. And so I think what it comes down to is going to be the 49ers defense um, and uh, and then the 49ers offense. I think the 49ers determine this game one way or the other. I think the defense has to shut down Mahomes, and then I think the offense just can't make mistakes. If Brock Purdy throws interceptions, well, then the Chiefs have a good chance of winning this game. Um, if Brock Purdy can stay clean and not throw interceptions, I think San Francisco has a, a great chance to win this game. 49ers are still the favorite. Um, it has it has moved around from one and a half to two and a half uh, in the spread. At this point, the 49ers are still currently there. Um, the question comes down to, Dad, is, is Patrick Mahomes. Is he at that point, like Brady was, where you say, you know what, you just can't pick against him? Uh, and I, I don't know that he is. Um, but at the same time, he's obviously a very, very, very good quarterback. One of the best, um, currently maybe the best currently and, uh, and, and looks like he'll finish his career as one of the best all time as well. Um, so let's start with Mahomes, dad. Um, what's your confidence level 
that Mahomes is that guy, like uh, a Tom Brady in the sense where you say, man, the chance, as long as he's on the field, there's a chance the Chiefs have that chance. Well, uh, that's the way I feel about this game. I mean, I, I can't really go against Patrick Mahomes. And I think, uh, again, I think he's, you know, proved that over a lot of his career. And I, I think, like I said, if he's on the field, um, you know, even if they're down a little bit, you know, he has proved he's a guy that can rally um, the team. And this year, you know, it's easy to look at, again, the wide receivers. Of course, they got a rookie, Rice, that's doing real well. But in some ways, you know, it's always been him and Travis Kelsey. They do have a running back now that's pretty good. Um, but, you know, Mahomes is a guy that can create on his own. He can make things happen. And uh, he's proved he can do that. So I don't think you're going to count Kansas City out till the final gun. And, um, again, you know, if Kansas City gets rolling, their defense has played better. They, I know they do have some injuries, I think, this game uh, there a little bit, which will hurt. But their defense has played well. And um, I think, like we mentioned last week, um, early in the year, Kansas City was a team that we looked like, well, they're probably the best team in the AFC. Then they went on a skid, and that kind of changed. But, again, they've, you know, they've played well. They've been there. They've got the coach, um, and I think that has a lot to do with it. They, you know, not just the X and O's during the game, but he knows how to prepare the team. Mahomes has been there now several times. The Chiefs are prepared. Um, again, I think them being the underdog probably helps them just a little bit also from there. I think there's a lot more pressure on San Francisco than there is um, Kansas City. But um, I think Mahomes, you know, is a guy you don't want to count out. And, uh, you know, if Mahomes wins this one, you know, all of a sudden he's starting to get in the category, you know, that they didn't think, well, nobody will ever be in the category where Brady's at. And when Mahomes is age, you know, he's, he's got a lot, he's got a lot to keep going on here. So um, I, 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 you know, again, I, I'm not, I'm one that's not going to count out. Patrick Mahomes and uh, the Chiefs in this game, um, because again, like you said, San Francisco is not coming into this overly strong. Um, if they'd blown out the last three games, the teams that might be a little bit different. They they definitely have potential. There's been time when their defense looked like you couldn't score on them, but again, now you know they've had probably offenses that were not near what Patrick Mahomes is. Um, that has given them some trouble. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Chiefs at the same time, their defense has played really well as of late. Their offense is really not so much. Um, they beat Cincinnati on the last day of 2023, 25-17. Remember, that's backup quarterback. Um, that's really not not a whole lot there. They beat the Chargers by one point, 13-12, um, to close out the regular season. It took care of Miami, but you got to kind of give that a wash because Tua was the quarterback, and we know Tua always fails. Um, so, so they blew out Miami twenty-six to seven. Then Buffalo was a three-point game. Baltimore was a touchdown game. Um, I, I mean, neither one of these teams are coming in hot. You talk about you know playing your best football at the end of the year, and man, you you look at the run that the Packers had when they came in as the last seed. The Giants did the same thing, uh, and and you see they just got hot at the right time. Well, neither. Kansas City or San Francisco, I would qualify as hot right now. But um, 
You know, I don't think anybody's – I mean, no one's surprised. You don't have a team in the Super Bowl you're going, wow, I didn't see that one coming. Um, once Kansas City was in the playoffs, you knew they had a shot. You knew it would be tough. They had to go through Buffalo and Baltimore um, and Miami, for that matter, um, that, that all of those were big wins, obviously. Whereas San Francisco had to go through Green Bay and Detroit, although, you know, playing well at that point in the year – and those games were close. Those aren't the same kind of battles. You talk about the coaching stuff. Well, actually, before we go there, quarterback situation, Brock Purdy's numbers are better than Mahomes's this year. Uh, Purdy had more yards, more touchdowns, less interceptions, and he got all of that on less pass attempts. Um, I over almost 150 less pass attempts, and Brock Purdy had more yards, more touchdowns, and less interceptions. Um, I think the run game. I think Christian McCaffrey's the best running back in the league. Um, so I think Kansas City gets the push there. Uh, I think Kansas, or excuse me, San Francisco has the the better running back. Mahomes is probably the better quarterback, even though the stats this year are different. And I think ultimately the pass catchers goes to San Francisco too. Defense, it should go to San Francisco, but maybe Kansas City's been playing better defense as of late. Uh, there's so many weapons though. I'll go back and think of the games Kansas City has won. Baltimore, Baltimore had weapons. Uh, but they got they got taken out of their element uh, where they just started throwing the ball instead of running the ball. I don't know that San Francisco would do that. Buffalo, they don't have as many weapons as you would think. <laughs> Josh Allen's really good. Um, Stephon Diggs is good. They got guys that can play. Um, but as far as the kind of weapons that San Francisco has, um, no, Buffalo doesn't have that. Baltimore doesn't have that. And, uh, and so I think that's interesting. Then you talked about the coach. Um, obviously, we are huge Andy Reid fans. Um, both of us like him, um, cheer for him, all that kind of stuff. I don't like Kansas City really right now. I do like Andy Reid. Um, so if they win, I can find a silver lining in it. Um, San Francisco is interesting, though, too. With Shanahan, he has been there. Um, he hasn't done that. And, of course, he's well known for the the 28-3 to um, that where Patriots came back and beat the Falcons. But, again, he wasn't the defensive coordinator in that situation. Uh, but he did make mistakes as a play caller in that game. Now, it's been many years ago, and uh, and obviously he has had opportunities to learn from those things. I don't think Shanahan is as far behind um, Andy Reid in coaching as some people have made it out to be, uh, but I do think Andy Reid is, I mean, easily first ballot Hall of Famer, um, phenomenal coach as well, and great offensive mind. Um, let's get to predictions, though, with these teams, Dad. Uh, like I said, San Francisco is the favorite, one and a half points. Um, everybody I'm listening to right now, though, is saying Kansas City. I mean, people just think Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, the experience and all that kind of stuff is there. Um, which way do you go with this one and why, uh, San Francisco or Kansas City? Um, again, I, I go with Kansas City in this one. Again, I think there's more, um, a little more pressure on San Francisco because, again, of uh, you know, they've been there, but they, like you said, they have not done that. Um, I think, you know, again, if they could get up big and, you know, the defense is really controlling things, but again, you know, Mahomes can always come back, but I, I think Kansas city, again, with the experience they have of being there. And again, I think with Andy Reid and Mahomes, um, Again, it could be a it should be a good game. Should be a really close game in a lot of ways, and if it's a close game, you know, in, in, anything can happen. Um, no doubt about that. We've seen some strange things in Super Bowls. Um, you know, things aren't always lined up. I'll never forget when 
all Seattle had to do was just run the ball in and um, didn't do that. So right. you never know what's going to happen there if, it, if it's a close game. And I think it could be a close game. But um, at this point, um, I, I, you know, I, I would pick Kansas City. Um, again, would I be shocked if, if San Francisco wins? No. Would I be disappointed if San Francisco wins? Not necessarily. You know, they're an NFC team and, and um, you know, there's kind of connection with our coach and, Sh and Shanahan there and everything from that standpoint. Not a big Brock Purdy fan, but again, if he wins the Super Bowl, hey, that'll be it. He might be the MVP. Who knows? Um, but well, I, I, I think Kansas City will come out on top on this one. Do you dislike Brock Purdy? I mean, I don't know what there's to dislike about him. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about dislike. I just, I, I'm not convinced he's that, he, that he's that good. And um, I think, you know, he's on a, you know, he's got a lot of talent around him and he's, he's in a situation with a good coach, the coach that knows how to get him in the right spots. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm just not convinced that in five years, Brock Purdy's you're still going to be somebody you're talking a lot about. So we'll see. So it feels like maybe um, you got a little tired of the hype, and uh, and so it's turned you against Brock Purdy. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't think Brock Purdy's any worse than, you know, the bottom half of the quarterbacks in the league. He's probably he does have a lot of weapons, but as you talk about with with playing guys on the schedule, I mean, it's not Brock Purdy's fault that his team actually put people around him. So. Um, I, I like Brock Purdy. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't want him to be my quarterback. I'd more rather have Jordan love than Brock Purdy. Uh, that being said, I don't, I don't have anything against Brock Purdy and, um, you know, it is, he's done well with what he has, um, uh, for sure. And, and he's fortunate to have what he has. No doubt about that. Um, Patrick Mahomes has four postseason fourth quarter comebacks and five postseason game winning drives. Um, so like you mentioned, if he's behind, um, and still within shot, he's got a chance at it for sure. Uh, I'm going to go San Francisco in this one though, Dan, I just, I think, um, I just think San Francisco is the better team at the end of the day. Uh, Mahomes is dangerous. Uh, Reed's a good coach, but I just think San Francisco has too much here for Kansas city at the end of the day, because I don't really care who wins. Um, I want it to be an entertaining game. I don't want it to be a blowout. I don't want it to be someone clearly walking away with it. Um, I'd love for it to be an entertaining game, a close game, come down to a kick. I mean, my goodness, the 49ers have a rookie kicker that's almost as bad as the Packers rookie kicker. Um, so if it comes down to a field goal, it could be, it could be quite fun. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I just, I'm going to go San Francisco. I think they're the better team. Um, I do think Mahomes is the better quarterback and I don't think that's even a question. Uh, but that being said, I think there's enough for San Francisco where they can do a lot of damage um, and win this game against Kansas City and, uh, and uh, you know, win, win another Lombardi trophy. It's been a little while uh, since 49ers have won a Super Bowl um, as well. So I don't know. That's, that's, that's the way I'm leaning at this point. Any, any thoughts on that? No, like I said, I, I, I'll go with Kansas City on this one, but um, I, I think it, it should be a good game. Hope it is a good game. And, um, you know, e either team will be deserving of it. Both franchises, you know, Kansas City has won a lot here lately. And um, San Francisco, you know, has a great heritage and everything, too. They just, But they have not won the big game 
uh, you know, I when I heard how long it'd been, I was surprised. I, yeah. you know, because again, you, they're always one of the powers in the NFC, and um, you know, I think probably still will be for a little bit. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, that's what they've been there twice in. I say recent. I mean, the Colin Kaepernick against Baltimore, the Harbaugh brothers, and then they were there what twenty twenty maybe twenty twenty two. I forget when that last time was. Um, not that long ago, they were there also. Um, but lost. So yeah, it's, it's, um, you do, you do think San Francisco's won recently, but they have not. Um, they have not. All right. Let's transition to teams who want to be in the Super Bowl, but aren't. And as a matter of fact, because they aren't, they got a new coach. Uh, finally, all the teams have their coaches and uh, in place staffs are beginning to fill up even now. Um, looking at the teams that hired new coaches, dad, who do you feel like uh, won? as far as the best hire goes, uh, matched with the situation, uh, the best fit, and and you think got the best end, end of the deal this year? Well, I, I think I, I think most of the coaching choices were probably pretty good. Um, not sure, you know, I understand Carolina's as much um, from there. Um, you know, I would have to think, you know, back real quick of all of them and see exactly, you know, again, there was a few surprises here probably with Atlanta, you know, who they got um, from there um, probably wasn't what we were expecting. Um, I think the Raiders did the right thing by taking, keeping Pierce and be interesting to see what he can put together uh, there. So I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, that, that was a good move from there. Uh, don't know about New England. You know, we will see. But like you said, everybody's putting their staffs together now and a lot of moving around with the staffs, with the coordinators and things like that. So, yeah. um, um, you know, I, I, I again, I don't think anybody, you know, had to reach. And sometimes you see a new coach and you think, wow, that just doesn't you know make any sense at all. Probably not as much, um, you know, this time around, there probably was some surprises that Belichick, you know, it didn't ended up not getting a job yeah. um, from there. But, um, you know, and we'll see where the coordinator thing ends up here because with, um, you know, the guy from Dallas going right here at the end of Washington, that kind of opens up a hole there and, you know, different things from that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, so it sounds like Wink Martindale is the guy that's going to go to Dallas as the defense coordinator. Um, Dan Quinn, you know, he goes to Washington. I really like the hire for Washington. Um, you know, it sounds like it was Johnson's job and he turned it down. Um, they did consider, uh, Belichick, but they decided to go, decided instead to go with Dan Quinn. I think it's a really good hire. I like Dan Quinn. I think he's a good football coach, getting him a second opportunity to be a head coach. I think you're going to see that growth, um, with him. And there's so much potential there. They got the number two overall pick this year. They've got some pieces in place. They hire Cliff Kingsbury to be their offensive coordinator, which you know I'm not big on him as a head coach, but I think he fits as an offensive coordinator. Um, put him with Dan Quinn, who's a good defensive mind. Um, you know, there's a lot of good things I think going there, and then I think the Chargers are the obvious winner. Jim Harbaugh comes over; um, he's bringing in an experienced offensive coordinator, brings his defensive coordinator in from Michigan. Um, you know, there's there's just so much talent in Los Angeles. They do have some issues that they're going to have to work through. Wide receiver, I know they're paying two guys a ton of money that are probably going to be salary cup casualties, so they might have to go out and get some pass catchers. But overall, I just think I think the Chargers are set up to succeed, 
And Harbaugh, everywhere he's went, you can say whatever you want about Jim Harbaugh. Everywhere he's went, he's won football games. And uh, and he's improved programs. He improved the 49ers. He improved Stanford. He improved South uh, um, uh, uh, San Diego State. Uh, he improved Michigan. And now he's in Los Angeles to improve the Chargers. And I think he will. Um, definitely Carolina's the most surprising hire just because it really wasn't on um, the list of people you were, you were hearing. Um, and Buddy's had success, uh, you know, and worked with Baker Mayfield. And I was on the Baker train all year. And if he can go out and make Bryce Young an NFL quarterback, um, you know, you can't, you can't fault that. Um, how about this, Dad? Well, two things. Uh, first, you already mentioned Belichick. I'm a little surprised. Um, it sounded like, you know, Atlanta, it could have been his, except for he wanted more control. Atlanta's front office wasn't willing to give up control. And uh, then I'm not sure about the Washington situation. But Mike Vrabel's another guy that did not get a job that really, I thought, coached really well in Tennessee, overachieved in Tennessee, in my opinion, and uh, doesn't get a job. And I'm not sure how close he was to getting a job um, either. I think Vrabel, I'm probably more surprised that Vrabel isn't a head coach right now than I am that Bill Belichick's not a head coach right now. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what he does this year. I'm assuming he'll do some sort of TV stuff. Um, I'm sure if he wants a job on a staff, he can have it, but, uh, I'm guessing we'll see him sit out this year and maybe get back in the fold next year. But here's what I really want to talk about dad. The Las Vegas Raiders announced that they're hiring Luke Getze as their offensive coordinator. Getze was the quarterback coach at green Bay before becoming the offensive coordinator at Chicago before getting fired in Chicago. Now, before that he was, uh, Offensive coordinator at AM. Before that, he was the wide receiver coach, I believe, or tight end coach, wide receiver coach at Green Bay. Um, basically, he came back to Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers wanted him there. And we've seen how that worked out for the Jets with everybody else. I don't believe in Luke Getzey, Dad. I don't think he was ready for the job in Chicago. And I don't think he did well in Chicago. But he gets a job in, in Las Vegas to go work with Antonio Pierce out there. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that hire for Vegas? Well, I, when I heard the name coming up, I was surprised about that. Um, I figured he would still be a coach, but I, I was a little surprised that, you know, offensive coordinator is where um, you would be. Now, obviously, he has a connection there with Devontae yeah. Adams, and um, I'm sure Adams um, was in on the discussions and vouched for him on this. Again, um, you know, to to say he didn't do well in Chicago is true, but who's going to do well in Chicago? I mean, that he wasn't set up in a good situation there, I don't think. But um, you know, um, we 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 will see. Now they need to get a quarterback. They've got things, you know, a lot of things in Vegas. Uh, I was surprised, but when you look at the Devontae Adams element to it, then that probably makes some sense. Probably some of the other people they would have liked to have gotten, you know, already had jobs. So um, I'm not sure who all they looked at um, from that standpoint. Like I said, a lot of coordinators moving around here and uh, a lot of new offensive defense coordinators all over the league. I mean, listen, I know, I don't know how long you can defend Getze, and you didn't defend him hard, but he took that Chicago job knowing what he was getting into. And he obviously thought he could succeed and do the job. Um, he failed. He failed. And uh, you can blame as many people as you want to. But Luke Getze, I don't get it. And that, he could prove me wrong. And I'll admit it if he does. Um, I just don't get it. Now, 
two offensive coordinators stuck with their team. Both of them said that they were coming back for unfinished business. That's in Houston and Detroit uh, with Johnson and Slowick. Um, you know, I, I Johnson looked like he could have had a job. I'm not sure that Slowick would is going to have a job. It may have been the classic. They told him, hey, you're not our guy. And he says, hey, man, I'm pulling my name out of the hat. Uh, you know, take take my name out. I'm going to stay with my with my team. But either way, for Houston and Detroit, how important was it to get that continuity on their staff this year, especially at offensive coordinators, where the offenses both had really, really good seasons this year? Um, and having their, you know, that continuity with the staff is going to be a big deal for C.J. Stroud and for everything that Detroit's trying to do. Yeah, I think it makes sense if both of them stayed because they're both on teams that are on, you know, that are looking up. Detroit has definitely done well. I don't know that they will continue, um, you know, to go that way, but they very easily could. Houston made a great turn this year. And, you know, again, um, when you're talking about a team, either the head coach or the offensive coordinator, you got to look at the quarterback. And uh, Houston's got a great young quarterback. So I don't know why you'd want to leave there unless you just had a great opportunity at this point. I think both of these guys will be in demand next year. Very well could be. Um, you know, we've talked about maybe the Detroit guy wouldn't be if Detroit struggles. I don't know that Detroit will win the division because I really do think Green Bay will be better. But I don't think Detroit will fall to the bottom of the division. I think, you know, they're very talented. They're going to be very, very competitive. Um, and, um, you know, who knows? Them and Green Bay may be two of the better teams in the NFC before it's over with next year. We will see. Um, but I, I think the guy, I think Slowick staying and Johnson. Johnson surprised me a little bit because, you know, I think Washington could have been a good job. Um, but it makes sense because they're both in teams heading the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, in the North, I mean, the Vikings and the Bears are not going to be great. Um, and again, the Bears could, they could hit home runs in the draft this year. They're going to have the opportunity to. Um, I mean, I don't think they will. Poles has not been a very good GM, so I'm not sure that that's going to happen. But there's an opportunity for Chicago to get a lot better in this draft. Minnesota, you know, what are they going to do at quarterback? Will they bring Cousins back? You know, who knows? Um, so, yeah, I think Green Bay will battle at the top of the division, but the Lions are going to be the front runners uh, there in the division. Um, let's see here. There was one other thing. Oh, uh, now the Super Bowl, of course, is Sunday. After that, then all the attention turns to the offseason, free agency, trades, and the draft. Uh, quarterback's going to be a big talking point for the guys that aren't at the top of the draft order. Russell Wilson's name has come up for Atlanta. Justin Fields' name has come up, of course, as possibly being available. Um, as well. Um, so you're going to have some teams that aren't drafting at the top. The Raiders would be a team like this as well that could be looking for a quarterback, the Broncos. Um, there's going to be options with a little, some options out there, guys, you know, that maybe aren't your long-term answer, but the Gardner Minshews, the Baker Mayfields, those kinds of guys that are going to be somewhat available at the very least. Um, and uh, we'll see how it all shakes down. And of course, we're going to keep covering everything that happens when it comes to the trades, free agency, and the draft in the months to come. I'm getting excited about, um, haven't really started draft prep yet, uh, but we'll be working that way here um, probably once our basketball season ends and can focus in on it a little bit more uh, from there. All right, Dad, uh, anything else with the NFL that you want to talk about? 
No, um, the one other new coach that we didn't mention who might be very interesting is uh, the guy from Cincinnati that went to um, the Titans. Yeah, um, yeah it's going to be interesting because I think he's a really good coach. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the Titans, it looks like they are letting the GM and they have another guy um, you know, work with the coach and try to get that better. The interesting thing in Tennessee really is the owner and the ownership there. You never know what that's going to do. I've heard this week, you know, there were some comments. I'm not sure how accurate it is that, you know, she voiced the fact that, boy, I wish she wouldn't have let Matt LaFleur go. I mean, you know, things like that kind of keep things unstable. You know, we lived in Tennessee there for a while and, and you kind of never know the ownership's kind of, funny there, but I think they've got a good coach and it sounds like the GM and the business people um, are going to have the freedom, you know, and um, I don't know, they have some talent there and if they can make, you know, some wise draft choices, they're in a division where they can be very competitive um, pretty quick. So I'll be interested just to be in, you know, living here in the Ohio area to see how um, that, that coach does, if he can turn things around right away. Yeah, I mean, he succeeded in, in Cincinnati for sure, even when Burrow was injured. Um, he looked good as the OC. So, um, And then he gets to hire his dad. That was pretty cool, too, that they gave permission for his dad to leave his job and go and work with the Titans for the same job, OC, or O-line coach. Um, and, of course, a lot of experience there in that family. So um, that was pretty cool also for sure. Okay, um, any other topics you want to hit on? No, I don't think so. Like I said, we got the big game coming up, and um, and so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Next week, we'll recap what's going on uh, with the Super Bowl and everything there, as well as cover any of the latest news. Also, um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and say bye to Dad. When we come back, we are premiering the Sports Stove Final Lap, a segment on NASCAR. And uh, we'll come back with the final lap. Dad, thanks, as always, for joining us. And uh, sure appreciate you. And, oh, I meant to tell you, and we hadn't talked today. Uh, so we'll just tell everybody. Um, did you see who was uh, uh, in charge of the player personnel in, in New England now? Who's drafting and fit, putting the roster together? No. It's Elliot Wolf, former Green Bay. Well, uh, there, there, so. there we go. That's probably a wise move on their part. So yeah, he's been he's floated around. Looked like he was going to get the job at Cleveland at one point, and ended up being like, like a assistant role basically. And uh, of course, his dad is the creator of Green Bay's greatness, basically the Brett Favre trade and things like that. So, um, but we hadn't talked, and before I forgot, I figured I'd mention it. So uh, we're going to say bye to Dad. We're going to hear a quick word from Righteous Felon Jerky. When we come back, it's the Sports Stove final lap. Say hello to America's most wanted craft beef jerky. Over 15 flavors with all kinds of character. The number one jerky gift box and all natural black Angus quality made right here in the U.S. of A. Taste the flavor revolution at RighteousFelon.com. Use the promo code STOVE15 at checkout. That's RighteousFelon.com. Promo code STOVE15 at checkout. Welcome back into the Sports Stove Podcast. It's now time for a brand new segment we call the Sports Stove Final Lap. Welcome in to the first ever Sports Stove Final Lap. And all season long, we're going to be giving you NASCAR coverage right here 
every single Wednesday night towards the end of the episode, our last segment of the evening uh, will be on NASCAR. Now, originally, we had scheduled to have a guest with us today. Uh, his internet was giving him problems, so he could not join us. So it's just me. Uh, and uh, this past Saturday, uh, we had the Clash at the Coliseum, originally scheduled for Sunday, but due to bad weather, they moved it up with about a five-hour notice um, to have the race run. Uh, of course, it's a non-points race. It's just kind of an exhibition, uh, but gets things going there. Uh, but it was fun. And along with that, Denny Hamlin got the win. But there was a lot of controversy along the way. Fighters that were arguing after the race, uh, mad about getting hit, bumped, pushed, all that kind of stuff as well. And I think it just leads us into the season with some animosity between drivers, which is always entertaining for the uh, uh, spectator in watching from a distance. And so we'll see how those relationships uh, come out and what kind of things happen uh, in the first race of the season, which is the Daytona 500, which is uh, a week from Sunday uh, down there in Daytona, Florida. And uh, we are going to preview that race next week, so we won't spend a whole lot of time on that. Uh, but a couple things just to look forward to here in the season. And uh, with NASCAR, like I said, first of all, Denny Hamlin gets the win last Saturday at the Clash. And uh, the winner of the Clash the last uh, couple of years has actually went on to have a pretty good season. Now, does it relay? Is there anything that really ties it together? No, not necessarily. Um, but at the same time, it's interesting to note. So Denny Hamlin, already one of the better drivers out there, now has an opportunity to, uh, you know, take, take a chance at a championship this year. That's what he's hoping to do. And we'll see how that one plays out. I think he's got to be one of your favorites heading into the Daytona 500 um, next week. Uh, that being said, there's a few different changes that went on this year in the NASCAR world. Uh, Ford and Toyota both have new vehicle body styles this year. Uh, the Ford Mustang and the Toyota Camry. Um, it's interesting to see a lot of people have different views on this. While some people think, well, Ford and Toyota are going to start slow as a result of the change until they figure out the cars. Other people think they're going to start faster and actually kind of run away this year where Chevy will be playing catch up. Um, we honestly have no clue yet because the clash, that track is so small. You're not going to know what's happening. Uh, it's not going to, it's not going to tell you a whole lot about the car. Um, so we'll learn a lot next week at Daytona, how everything works with, uh, uh, with them pushing and, and, uh, and so we'll see, we'll see how, how it shakes out. But the Fords look phenomenal by the way. Um, and, uh, and the Toyotas look, eh, they look better than they did. Um, and we'll see what Chevy does to catch up from there. Uh, there's lots of new drivers this year, or at least young guys in different cars. Um, some guys to watch for the rookies at the very least. Josh Berry's driving now for Stuart Haas Racing. Carson Hosevar uh, comes in for the Spire Motorsports. And Zane Smith also driving for Spire. Uh, Berry has the potential to probably have the best season of the rookies. He's just going to be more experienced. He's raced 12 NASCAR races, cup races. He's in uh, what should be better equipment as well. Hosevar and Smith are both talented. Um, Hosevar has a little bit of a uh, wild card to him, his attitude and things like that. He could cause some uh, entertainment, let's put it that way, throughout the season this year. Guys that you're going to watch for, though, if you're wondering, the main contenders are your normal guys. Uh, William Byron and Kyle Larson um, are your Chevy guys to be watching. Ryan Blaney, who won last year, and Joey Logano, who won the year before, are your four drivers to watch. And then Denny Hamlin and Christopher Bell, are your Toyota drivers to watch. Christopher Bell is a guy that no one's really showing a whole lot of respect towards, but he's been in the final four um, each of the last two seasons and continues to drive well. And I think there's a really good opportunity for him 
to make a really nice run this year, win some races, and ultimately be there at the end again this year. I like the dark horses this year being Tyler Reddick and Alex Bowman, two guys that have some experience and have good equipment, which is very important in the NASCAR season. And uh, so I think those are guys that you can watch for their names. I mean, uh, if you're a, if you're a casual NASCAR fan, you at least know those guys. Um, but they're guys that can make a run this year, I think, and uh, kind of sneak in and uh, and and win a championship, possibly when it's all said and done. Uh, I'm a Ford guy, so I'm cheering for this year. I have chosen Josh Berry as my favorite driver, um, and uh, I've been out of NASCAR for about eight years. Last year, got back into it and decided this year to kind of just pick a driver to follow. There were some guys that were around when I used to watch, but not as many. So I thought, well, let's start with a rookie and uh, cheer him on from there. There's a lot of guys to watch, though, this year that are young. John Hunter Nemechek, who's a family uh, racer. Um, he's racing for Legacy Motor Club, uh, formerly Petty Motorsports. Uh, he got the 42 car that he'll be racing. He's a great driver, a uh, great young driver. And uh, and we'll see how what kind of equipment Legacy Motor Club comes up with this year. They struggled last year immensely, but they were in the transition. Um, they were Chevy last year, transitioning to Toyota. So Chevy kind of cut them out at some point. And uh, so we'll see how that goes for them. Noah Gragson, another guy who can be entertaining because of his attitude and his temper. Um, he's at Stuart Haas now racing the 10 car. And then Justin Haley, the 51 uh, for Rick Ware Racing is another guy that could really uh, surprise some people this year and do some fun things with it as well. Throughout the year, we're going to cover the racetracks, the races, the drivers, um, the controversies, everything like that. And so starting next Wednesday, we'll be previewing uh, the race. And then every Wednesday after that, we'll be recapping the previous race and previewing the next race. And the plan is to have guests on to help us do that each week as well. I'll also be writing an articles on bellyupsports.com entitled uh, Diary of a Revived NASCAR Fan. And I'm writing about my coming back to NASCAR um, after several years away. Uh, today's Sports Stove Final Lap is presented by Righteous Felon Jerky. Again, you can join the Flavor Revolution at RighteousFelon.com. Use the code STOVE15 at checkout. You're going to get 15% off your purchase. I have some of my favorite flavors right behind me up here. Um, absolutely love Righteous Felon. I think you will too. If you use that code STOVE15 at checkout, they'll know that you listen to the program. It'll help us out, and we greatly appreciate that. That's it for the Sports Stove final lap, and that's it for the Sports Stove podcast tonight. Uh, I want to thank Dad, for, as always, for being with me tonight and helping me out through the first part of this program. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Sports Stove. And a couple other shows coming up this week. Sunday, because of the Super Bowl, we will not have the Sports Stove Fantasy Baseball Show. Uh, we're taking a week off because of the Super Bowl. But Monday, we will have the Sports Stove Local Hour. Brian Jackson joins me and we'll continue to talk to EKU student-athletes and looking forward to what is ahead on this Monday. And then next Wednesday, me and Dad will be back right here at 8 o'clock and we'll be talking Super Bowl recap as well as looking ahead to the Daytona 500. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.